Welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist podcast filled with righteous rage. Today we have Laura, Zoe, Bianca, and Julia. And you guessed it, today we are doing another round of Season of the Bitch Hates, where we talk about the shit that is fucked up with society and also just like some random things that we hate, whether it's discourse, men, (laughs) etc. Mostly men. Mostly discourse. The two (laughs) genders, discourse and men. Exactly, exactly. Um, And I just wanted to say, before we dive into some shit that we hate, that... I love my co-host very much. I wasn't on the last two weeks, uh, which I think is like maybe the first time in the last four years of doing this podcast that I haven't been on two weeks in a row. Um, and it's been because life, my life is falling apart in certain ways, and I just am so grateful to y'all. So thank you. <laughs> Aww. Love you, Laura. I love you, Laura. Love you. uh well again i felt like there was no better way to kick off this episode than to talk about men because really it is the backbone of our (laughs) podcast (laughs) it's what we founded it on really um and you know they they've they haven't stopped being at it you know so they haven't stopped one bit they have not even begun to to know what it think about stop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I have to rant about specifically leftist men for a moment because there is a thing uh, that happened to me recently. I recently started accepting astrology clients and doing client work, and someone came to me with a with an idea for a trade, which I was really excited about because I obviously am all about trading things and what he had to offer was something that I was um, very interested in. And essentially because he like had not figured out anything, I don't even know how to explain how batshit this situation went, but essentially I ended up getting pretty much used uh the fair was not deal it was not the deal was not fair the fair was not dealt the fair was also not yes thank you it it, it, it really wasn't and um so long story short he like told an ex of his that he gave me her birthday I didn't even know her name like you give your birthday out to random companies like who are going to actually be data mining your shit but instead of defending our trade or like speaking about it rationally in any way he ended up ending our trade and the way he handled it was very poorly um and I just think that when you're a man who is like in leftist circles so you're kind of like hip to a lot of these things it um it can feel like you have done a lot of self-work because you've pushed against society enough where you're anti-capitalist. But to do the work of really unlearning a lot of those toxic things that are kind of built into your gendered experience is a whole different thing. Um, and I do find that leftist men often think that they have done that work and many of them have not. Does anyone have... 
anything they want to chime in on on that or should i move on <laughs> retweet other than i agree <laughs> yeah. Huh? yeah yeah no i mean i i definitely agree with that and i feel like it's frustrating because i mean similar to like extreme like straight or cis allies or like white mm -hmm. allies of people of color it's like you know in general i do think like leftist men tend to be better than the average man in mm -hmm. society mm -hmm. but there is that problem where like when you think you're doing a really good job it's even harder for someone to call out something that you might be doing that's not okay because you like are so convinced that you're great and everything mm -hmm. is perfect and it's just like we can always grow like all of us are always learning and like i don't know i yeah. think like not being open to that is very concerning yeah, and I will say the positive resolution of this is I wrote an email expressing my deep frustration at it, and he took a couple days to respond, but definitely responded in, in a way that acknowledged how messed up it was, that he's going to stay in therapy, that he will not do this to someone else, and that he's deeply embarrassed for how he handled the situation, so... Nice. Well, you know, it's out, it's out of my hands <laughs> at this point, but, you know, just check up on your shit, you know? <laughs> Another way you can check, check up on your shit in maybe even an easier way than, than the real self-work that, that you might need to do <laughs> um, is if you are a person who stands with you when you pee, which, why? No one's dick is big enough that it's going to dangle in that water. Right? That's what I thought <laughs> when I was like a child. Mm -hmm. And now that I've seen enough to know better, I'm like, why? Yeah. First of all, why? <laughs> Secondly, sit down, get a little break. Yeah. Anyway. Ha have a time. Um, <laughs> but I have been with or lived with a myriad of men who have no idea that they leave a literal puddle of pee in front of the seat. And down the front of the toilet bowl and also never put in the effort to actually clean the bathroom in the ways that it needs to be cleaned. So a basic thing you can do if you refuse to sit is just take a piece of toilet paper and make sure you clean up that piss that you left in front of the toilet seat so that <laughs> when your people who aren't cis men come into the bathroom, they don't have to fucking do it. Yeah. So when I was moving, I was like looking at bath mats to buy and I was like showing my mom like to get, I need help choosing colors because of my Libra moon. I was like, mom, what bath mat do I get? Powerful. And my mom was, <laughs> my mom was like, okay, so if you like are going to have men over, you should get one of those ones that goes like around the base of the toilet um, because of like the pee thing that Laura's talking about. And I was like, mom, I'm not buying an extra rug so that men can pee on my floor. Yeah. Also, it's just weird that then it would just get absorbed into the rug. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Like no, thank you. <laughs> In a similar vein, I would also like to talk about leaving the toilet seat up. Mm -hmm. Um, my previous, living situation um i lived in a three bedroom everyone who lived in this it was a townhouse um everyone who lived in this townhouse was someone who peed sitting down then one of my roommates started dating a cis man who came over all the time and consistently left our toilet seat up and i was like i was getting so enraged by this um that like 
I was convinced. I was like, there's no way my roommate has noticed because if I was dating a man who kept coming into my home and leaving my toilet seat up, I would say something. I would be like, you like, please be considerate of like me and my roommates. Please don't do that. She was clearly not. So what I started doing was when I went into the bathroom and found the toilet seat up, I would pee and I would put it back up because I was like, other people need to notice this and care. And that is the level of petty I was at to get yeah. this to end. And it, <laughs> it didn't, but I felt a little better about myself. Yeah. The having to touch the toilet seat twice. I, I'm proud of you. I, I, I like get so annoyed that I have to touch it once if, if it's left up that I'm just like, Ooh, but I love the pettiness though. I, mean, that's I just, amazing. I really wanted her to have to deal with it and talk to her boyfriend. That makes sense <laughs> as she should have. As she should have, but you know. So a similar thing. So a lot of the things that we're talking about right now can fall under the category of emotional labor, <laughs> um, which notoriously people who were raised as girls are better at because we were trained to by watching um, our moms, aunts, whoever do this as well. So one of the things that is my pet peeve as well is how you notice things. And what I mean by that is a couple different things. So for example, if you're in a house living with someone, noticing when you put the last toilet paper roll on the toilet, on the toilet thing, when you, uh, or, or when you start to see those things going low. But a big one for me that really annoys me is noticing when you should move on a sidewalk. So I actually used to get into arguments with my ex about this all the time because he was 6'2 and he was just like, well, I'm just too tall. I just am too tall to notice other people on the sidewalk. <laughs> what? <clears throat> yeah. Mm -hmm. Wait, too tall to people. notice other I thought you were going to say that like your ex said that he was like, too tall so that he like took up the whole sidewalk no he just <laughs> he just was like oh i just don't see them and i'm like oh do you what? not have eyeballs <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i i just um i just like at the time when we would argue about this i didn't have the same language or uh you know when you date someone for a long time and they kind of put down everything you say it's really hard for you to feel comfortable bringing things like this up uh, and again this is a leftist man um, and I think that it's really critical to not offload the emotional labor of like moving out of the way into the people you're walking with that are not cis men um, because it is very very annoying to have to be constantly aware and then like fall behind the person who is in front of you or who is next to you or whatever it is that you have to do to make way um, for other people and be considerate in public space. Yeah. Like I was having sort of a very similar thought recently because like I've been like lately in more crowds and also just in other crowds that I've been in, I've been noticing that like, when someone is trying to move through the crowd or like cut through people, like in my experience, I notice they tend to cut in front of like specific people. Like if I'm with a group of my friends, none of us are white and none of us are cis men. Like 
we have had to move out of the way multiple times for people. And like, it's like different people kind of cutting into where we're standing in the crowd. Like we've all noticed this and talked about it. It's like, like we were like, Oh, like, why is it always us who has to move? And of course it's like, when someone wants to go out of the way, go somewhere, I like always want to make room for them, obviously. But then it's like, when it, when it happens a lot or it keeps happening, like then I'm like, oh, people are betting that like I or other people who are like me and other like in certain ways would like do this for them. Like when they're betting on that, I feel like that brings up other questions about like who's more likely to give way or acquiesce. And who deserves uh, space. Right, exactly. Um, and it's like that's like a very specific thing that I've been thinking about lately, but like it's kind of like something that I've been returning to. Yeah, definitely. I feel like also like not to make it too extreme, but I do feel like sometimes there's sort of like a subtle safety calculation as well, because like I've totally been in situations where like a man has walked into me, I was not even like at fault and then got super mad and started like yelling at me because, Mm. you know, they just like got very aggressive or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know, if someone is a lot bigger than you, that can be kind of scary. And like, I don't know, I can imagine as well that like, if you're visibly a person of color, that can also add an element of like, if I walk into a white person, are they going to start like cursing me out? Like, you know, there's sort of like that fear of like, will other people take my side if this escalates? And like, if you feel like the answer might be no, it's like, you don't want to get into that type of situation where someone might like get mad at you for some random reason. It's like some evaluation of like the power dynamic. And it also is like a very obvious illustration of privilege because if Like, I'm worried about my safety when I'm out because I've had really fucked up experiences, as as I'm sure all of you are. And to have the luxury of not paying attention to your fucking surroundings, like, I literally can't imagine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so true also. Yeah. Yeah. Also, in a smaller vein, but back to the, like, paper towel, toilet paper situation. Yes. I lived with a man as a roommate for two years, and... I had taken from work one of those big, I worked in service industry, one of those big soap refillers. And so I was refilling our soap regularly for two years. Towards the end of us living together, my roommate, it came up that he did not know we had not been using the same one hand soap for those two (laughs) years because it was like, I bought one of those like nicer oh soap God. things and then kept refilling it. And so he, not like a reusable one, just like a fancier yeah. hand soap. Yeah. Right. And like, I was like making fun of people that buy like $5 hand soap. And he was like, that's what we have. And I was like, no, it's not. We have soap I stole from the bar. Like, what are you talking about? And he was like, <laughs> what? Oh my God. <laughs> my it was God. Like, under, like under our bathroom sink for two years, a giant soap thing. And he just like never knew I changed oh. the soap. Oh my gosh. As someone with a male roommate, I actually very much see this happening. Like, that makes total sense to me. Same. Like, they just re- really, like, the number of times I've washed our communal towels, oh, it smells really nice every once a week. Like, once every week. Right. Oh, I wonder why. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, um, my ex, just to roast a little bit, didn't have a, a bath mat, a shower mat um, for a long time. And we, like we're like out shopping together or whatever. And I was like, Oh, look, this bath mask on sale for like $5. You should get it. 
And then like a few days later, he was like, wow, like having a bath mat is so nice. You were right. It's like, yeah. Why would you think standing on I cold, believe, wet tile like, was better? Had he never <laughs> seen one before? Like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, Yeah, it's real. It's real out there. <laughs> but <laughs> if you're listening and you're a cis man or anyone who's like, hmm, wow, these all really describe me and I don't know how to change my behavior. Um, but I have several tips for you, but starting with, (laughs) (laughs) um, I've been reading this book by bell hooks called the will to change the subtitles, like men, masculinity and love, I think. Um, and it's about how like patriarchy affects men's behavior and how you can work on that. Even like as reading it as someone who is not a cis man or raised in a masculine way at all. I've like, feel like I've also learned things about like how I interact with men too. Um, So it's very interesting. And also I feel like maybe we'll help you reevaluate yourself. And honestly, if you're listening and you don't think these things apply to you and you're a cis man, you probably really need to think about that too. Fair. (laughs) Laura's being the like the teeth emoji. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. It's very true. Um, I think also finding a therapist who will push you to examine these behaviors is very helpful. But, you know, therapy is tricky for a number of reasons, whether it's which like we will also get into, which we hate the the obstacles that it comes to as you're navigating any type of healthcare, mental health or physical health. Um, but I just know already in the limited experience I've had with astrology clients so far, the men who I have worked with have joked about firing their therapist and just working with me, which I have heavily advocated against. I was like, no, 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 no. Wow. (laughs) That's so overwhelming. (laughs) Yeah, imagine. Well, I also dated someone who literally would call people his emotional support bisexuals um, because. What? Wait, what? Yeah. Um, And the reason why this is problematic is because it's offloading, again, doing the actual work for yourself by picking up a book like Zoe suggested um, or journaling, journaling, journaling. (laughs) Um, And it puts it, it offloads it onto the femmes in your circles Um, just because people are good at talking you through things does not mean that they want to be used in that way and i have more to say on that in a little bit yeah um next i just have to put in a plug for zionists not that they are good <laughs> Pl- that we hate to be them. clear we're not plugging <laughs> we're like, not plugging. plugging zionists <laughs> we're plugging hating zionists okay. just to be clear <laughs> um so <laughs> Um, I feel like, you know, there obviously has been a lot going on with, like, Israel has been doing some terrible shit, um, and people have been thinking and talking about that more in the U.S., um, but also at the same time, there has been, at least in New York, and I think maybe in some other places, like, an increase in anti-Semitic hate crimes, Mm -hmm. and unsurprisingly, anti-Semitic people are using this as an excuse to be like, we have to support Israel because like 
people supporting Palestine is why these anti-Semitic incidents are happening, which is obviously complete bullshit. But I feel like I have been seeing in some online spaces that I'm in, like, not necessarily explicit Zionism, but people coming in just being like, I'm just like asking questions. I just feel like we need to like, kind of look at both sides. And like, a lot of people are getting hurt. And like, I just want everyone to acknowledge that. And it's like, first of all, I don't think anybody is not like acknowledging that. But there was this specific thing that happened in this Facebook group that I'm in that's supposed to be like an intersectional poet space or something. And, but you know, it's like intentionally supposed to be a space that's at least left-leaning, if not explicitly leftist. And this woman like came in and posted, I've never seen her post before, so I don't know what that's about, but basically was just like, there's so many hate crimes happening against Jewish people. I'm really worried about it. And people responded being like, agree, that is terrible, but I'm also concerned about how that is then being used as an excuse to discriminate against Arab and Palestinian people. And this woman came back and like, first of all, edited her post several times. Oh, there was also some sort of weird thing where she equated anti-Semitism to anti-Asian racism, which is just like, and claimed that like Jews have it worse, which was just like, Oh my God. What? Oh my God. Um, Why? So then, then she came back and was like, well, everyone's being like so anti-Semitic. Like this is how the Holocaust started <gasps> because you all are like mentioning Palestinian rights. And like, it was just so, and oh of course, God. like there are some Jewish people who stepped in and were like, no, like this woman does not speak for me. This is absolutely batshit. But it was just like really wild to happen in a group that's already like self-selecting for people who at least think of themselves as being like thoughtful and intersectional in their feminism. And then something like this happens. And I don't know, I think it is partly going back to what we were talking about earlier with like people who think that they're so good and like perfect that it then becomes hard to criticize like right this is not actually being a good ally or in this case like this is just horrible and not okay mm-hmm. um yeah it was it was very weird oh and gosh. it's just really made me feel like, what it's very complicated because so so the person i'm dating right now is jewish and she like went to to jewish school growing up and like had really intense zionist propaganda pushed on her and she's a communist and anti all colonial states. Yeah, right. So it's always the same. Um, and like it's been, you know, helpful to talk to her about this type of thing because specifically she can help understand the the way the deep brainwashing. So for me as a Catholic person, I have to remember like I literally thought abortion was murder up until I was like 18 years old because that's literally the brainwashing that the Catholic Church does. Um, it also brainwashes you to think that any wrong thing you do, you'll be in an, etern- an eternal flaming f- fire hell for forever. Anyway, but so like to to have empathy and hold space for the brainwashing that goes into these campaigns and also how it permeates um, everyday U.S. society because obviously the U.S. government is very tied into the Israeli state as a foothold in the Middle East. Um, but I just wanted to quickly a say that if you aren't familiar with what's going on 
and you're a newer listener to the podcast, I highly recommend you go back and listen to our first episode on the occupation of Palestine because we really go into what Zionism is, what history, what the history is, and kind of what's been going on in more recent years. It doesn't it doesn't obviously go up to this most recent attacks by the Israeli state onto Palestinian people. However, um, you know, it's not a new thing. <laughs> it was just a, the newest version of the same thing that has been happening. Um, and I just want to say, related to what Julia was talking about, just quickly, the reason why this isn't a two sides issue is not only related to the fact that the two sides have extremely different weaponization. The Israeli state and the Israeli Defense Forces have um, F-16s, drones, Apache helicopters, tanks, cruise missiles, naval warships, and mortar shells, and they are getting their weaponry from the U.S. military. Um, and when we get, when you see those things going around, that's like the U.S. is giving X amount of more billions of dollars to the Israeli state for whatever it's going to weapons. And as of 2015, the amount of tanks the Israeli state had was 3,920 and Palestine had zero. And the amount of F-16 jets, so those are like fighter jets that can fly overhead, um, Israel had 362, and Palestine had zero. Um, And it's also important to just know that Israel is one of the number one it's, I think it's number fifth amount of nuclear warheads in the world. So in terms of military, it's kind of a it's not kind of it is a military superpower in a way that otherwise for that nation makes zero sense. Um, and so when we talk about this and you hear the term war, I like would implore you to kind of push back on that. And war is a, is something that has an equal declaration of intent. Uh, And that's not what we're seeing here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I talked about this on um, the Black Lives Matter and Palestine liberation episode we did last year. Um, I am a certified Hebrew school teacher. Brag. Brag. Um, (laughs) And so when people are like, oh, not being anti-Zionism is like anti-Semitic. I'm like, guarantee you I know a lot more about Judaism than you. Okay. Literally trained in teaching Zionism to children, though I never did so. Um, Right. But that was definitely like a lot. I mean, a lot of the training is learning prayers and the culture. It's certainly not divorced from also learning Zionism. Um, But also, okay, I do have to, I feel a deep guilt that I must confess that I went to the same high school as Benjamin Netanyahu, um, prime minister of Israel, if you're not familiar. I just feel like I need to tell people this, especially because whenever I say that, people are like, where did you go to high school? Um, In Philadelphia at a public (laughs) school. That's where he's from. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't feel, I know that feeling guilt is similar in uh, Jewish communities as it is as growing up Catholic. So <laughs> as a Catholic to you, I'm going to say, fuck that shit. It's not your fault. Uh, but I hear you for sure. Cause I have similar <laughs> I tendencies. Like people need to know. Like, <laughs> I-, I need people to know about this. Um, also Lil Dicky also went to my high school. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah. A very, public school but high jewish population um 
But yeah, also related to the recent events. So yeah, my mom's side of the family is our Ashkenazi Jewish. My dad's side is Lebanese. And I like posted on Instagram about how just like, it's very frustrating because everyone overgeneralizes like both like Jews and Arabs, which are both like, that is a huge umbrella category. (laughs) There are so many different types of Jews. There are so many different types of Arabs. Um, But so I posted about this and like could go into that, won't. Not what this episode is about. But what I will say is someone messaged me back about it, trying to agree with me and was like, yeah, people think that like all Arabs are Muslim. And it's like, first of all, it's not even what I said. But also it would be very weird if someone like posted on their story. Like if I posted like, wow, people are always like overgeneralizing women. And then like a man DM me being like, yeah, everyone thinks women talk too much. And it's like, that. <laughs> why would you respond by like saying the thing? Oh, wow. Yeah, we hate to see it. <laughs> oh yeah, God. we would just be like, yeah, everyone does think that. And I was like, but I didn't even say that. Wow. Um, wow. Anyway, also, yeah, just like talking about the conflict. When people say like, like Arab-Israeli conflict is very complicated like palestinians are arab of course but like are a specific culture that is arab are indigenous to that land and have also been like persecuted and oppressed in arab countries in the middle east like palestinian refugees so it's not just like there are arabs who are all on one side and there are jews who are all on one side that's like right yeah not not true on either end of that at at all yeah Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, we could we could talk about that topic for a very long time. I like had to just hold myself back from like going off about the Christians <laughs> who are Zionists, too, because yes, that's a lot of own those. fucked up category <laughs> anyway. Oh. But for another day. Um, amazing. Uh, so kind of circling back to some things that we have spoken about. Um, I if you follow me on Instagram, you may have seen that I lost my mind on everyone. <laughs> a few- In my opinion, that's what Instagram stories are for. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it's just really funny because, like, I think no one has seen me do something like that. Um, but it's been a long time coming. So for those of you that missed it, um, which is probably almost all of you, uh, is I pretty much was like, hey, just a PSA. Uh, please do not come for me. Come to me for anything right now. Uh, so, my grandma was just diagnosed with a stage four terminal lung cancer, and she has a probably two to six months or so left. Um, which, if you've been following my story at all, uh, this is very triggering for me because I just dealt with this with three family members this past year, uh, including a parent. Anyway, uh, but so because I'm a person who I think a lot of people come to for emotional support, I do like doing that. However, there's a difference between people who are my friends and who like come to me when they're going through something and then like I can also come to them when I'm going through something or they come to me when they're going through something but also ask how I am even if it's after like we've talked about stuff with them or whatever like that's a very different thing than 
I felt like I had this like kind of weird tier of friends, quote unquote friends who would truly only call me in a crisis. And it felt like I just realized that I was just like truly being used a for like being a very knowledgeable person be for like my emotional intelligence and uh that circled me back to thinking about those emotional support bisexuals because guess what i think that i probably am that for or was that for some people until i freaked the fuck out on them yeah totally i feel like there it's also sometimes like not it's like how did i get into this this situation like i feel like i never agreed to be your friend and now you're just like calling me only when you're in a crisis um I also I don't know like I always wonder why I also feel like I'm somebody that people select that for a lot and it's like trying I I mean there you go (laughs) but it's like I don't even feel like I have any information to offer I feel like they just need someone to like vent at and literally just be like a supporting ear and like you know, friends are good for that. But if that is your only relationship with someone, that is a problem. And they probably are feeling burnt out by having to manage all of that. Yeah. You never want to burn your freaking people out. Yeah. On a related note, I just wanted to talk about how I really hate when people try to suck you into their drama. And just to be clear, I absolutely love when, like, my actual friends suck me into their drama because mm-hmm. I love drama. But <laughs> I feel like... It is like, Gemini season after all. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just to be clear, this is a pro-drama podcast. But um, it's more like what I'm thinking of is, like, when somebody that you're not even really that close with, like, kind of like a coworker type situation or maybe, like, distant family type of thing specifically brings you into a situation in a way that's like presenting it as though it's a problem for like everybody like everyone in the office should be worried about this or like everyone in our family or group needs to be worried about this and like they don't really give the full story and you eventually realize it's just something that they personally are mad about that often is not even their business it's like I don't know. I was like trying to think of an example because I feel like this is kind of vague and I literally like don't think I can share any real examples because they're all so identifiable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like if you were in like an office and your coworker comes to you and is like, oh, like, I don't know. Have you like noticed that there aren't as many snacks in the kitchen or something? And you're like, oh, yeah, like I've kind of noticed that hasn't bothered me. But like, you know, are you hungry? Like I have some snacks and they're like, oh, no, like I'm not hungry. But I just like have noticed that so and so has been taking all the snacks. And you're like, "Okay, wait, like (laughs) one, you're not even hungry. Like this doesn't even impact you. You just want something to complain about. But then you're also. Yeah, it's like bringing it up in a way that makes it seem like they just want what's best for everyone. And then you realize that they're like policing a specific person's behavior and trying to get you in on it. And like sometimes it works for a second. And then I feel very tricked into like being like for a second being like, yeah, there have been less snacks. And then it's like, oh, shit, like, no, I'm not on the same page with you. I'm not a part of this. Like, I don't know. I think it is a lot when it's like, something that is just not their business or anyone's business and you're just like why like why did you need to express this and why did you need to bring me into this right well I feel like there are people who are very invested in trying to like we're a family at this workplace all of us are friends with each other and so they try to like break the ice with you or like try to like get closer with you by like doing these kinds of things and it's just like 
I don't know. Like I've never been someone, I've never worked a job where I felt incentivized to make friends with people there. Like I'm literally like, I'm here to get paid and then I'm going to go. But like the four people who like maybe don't really know how to like befriend someone in a genuine way. I think it's like a tactic they use. Right. Also, if someone is stealing all the snacks from work, like good for them. Yeah. That's yeah. (laughs) That's a great plan. Tell your boss to buy more snacks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I also just wanted to say kind of on the flip side of this, like emotional labor, putting too much on someone that we've been talking about. I do really love when you're venting to someone about like something terrible that's happened to you and they just like immediately get on the same page with you and like Mm -hmm. understand why it's harmful and don't force you to explain why it's something that's like frustrating or hurtful to you. Um, Because there are all of these times where somebody is sort of relying on you for emotional support, but not giving back or like they just haven't had a similar experience and they don't make any effort to get it or empathize. And it's just really nice when somebody does do that. Um, I really love when I'm like venting to a friend and they're just like, okay, yeah, like we hate that person now, you know, like if they've done something fucked up, it's like, yeah, (laughs) like good. And I will do the same. So yeah. Yeah just it's the best sprinkling in a little love because i i miss the sotb loves yes yeah we do love love to hate people together yeah exactly yes if i hate someone they deserve it they're bad no one else should like them and you know (laughs) that i will for sure also hate that person regardless of any of the details i'm like yes yep you're done you're toast Exactly. I expect everyone to be on board. I clearly, there's clearly a reason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so this one's very dark. And again, we probably will end up doing, we have done episodes on this. We probably will do it again. But we fucking hate the healthcare system. Um, particularly, we're talking about the privatized system in the United States. However, Healthcare systems, even like uh, because the person I'm dating is in Canada, I feel like I've been learning a lot about Canadian stuff and like shit can be very bad regardless. Um, But uh, there's a lot that can be really, really annoying about um, particularly how it is in the United States. So like I said, my grandma just got this really, really um, intense diagnosis. And so I have been taking to her to like many, many doctor's appointments every single week. They're all in different parts of the city. They're all very intense spaces. She's old, so it's very, it's a lot of information and very confusing to navigate. And I have a car, so I'm able to take her. But for anyone else who's in a similar position that doesn't have that privilege, it would be even more of a death sentence than it literally already is. Um, so I am a person who has a ton of trauma surrounding the healthcare system because I lived with intense pelvic pain and uh, just pain generally and was not believed by doctors for about 10 years before I finally had a doctor that believed me and I got diagnosed with endometriosis and had surgery and thankfully my surgery was successful obviously on our episode with Carolyn Riley uh, you can understand that sometimes that is not the case 
And I know Zoe's going to get into that a little bit more in a second, but just really quickly, I was also recently diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and um, it took me three weeks to make an appointment to just get an ultrasound on my hands and feet so that I could, so they, they could figure out the extent of the RA issue because I am so traumatized like making a doctor's appointment is very, very stressful for me. Like I am happy to make it for my grandma or for other people. But like for me, I avoid it at all costs because at this point I'm like so I feel so fucked by the U.S. healthcare system. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I've had well, I have a number of diagnosed chronic health issues, which have all been their own full novel, which I won't get into. Um most recently, as Laura alluded to, um, I am pretty sure I have endometriosis. I've had multiple like practitioners, acupuncturists, um, an osteopath I used to go to, like tell me that that's what they thought. Um, and I've been to a number of gynecologists who have all done literally nothing. But the first, the first time I went to a gynecologist for it was when I was like 15. I've had like really, really painful cramps since I got my period. Um, and this gynecologist who was a cis man told me that it was literally impossible for me to be in that much pain. Um, I fucking hate so, him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> canceled anyway, fast, on the hate yeah, list. <laughs> truly canceled. Fast forward. I won't go into every single gynecologist I've been to over the past, uh, 15 years of my life. But yeah, most recently I moved. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to try again. I'm going to go to a gynecologist. I had, um, just like, yeah, was in a lot of pain. Still am. Went to this gynecologist at university of Chicago medical center. Don't go there. I'm, I'm canceling them. Um, yep. so yeah, when, went for my first appointment a few weeks ago, she asked me the history when it started, I told her everything. Then she asked me again when it started. And I was like, when I was 12, um, told this story multiple times. And then she asked me if I'd ever tried taking Motrin for it. Um, I have for the listeners at home. I have in fact tried taking Motrin, um, ibuprofen. Oh my God. And then asked me when I said, yes, she asked me if I knew that you could take it every six hours. Um, wow. So yeah, then she was like, wanted to have me do an ultrasound, a pelvic ultrasound, which I've had this done a number of times. Every time they tell me that it comes back with nothing, every single time this is what they have me do, did the ultrasound the next week. Then yesterday, if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you already know about this. I think everyone needs to know how I was wronged. Um, and they do. So I live like 20 minutes away from where this doctor is. I left 45 minutes early. I sat in traffic for an entire hour. Um, when I got there, I was 18 minutes late on the dot. I get there. I'm like, I like parked illegally. A cop was watching me. I still parked illegally. I like ran into the office. I was like panting. And they were like, the one woman behind the desk was like, you can go back. And the other woman fucking cop behavior was like, Ooh, it's actually past the 15 minute mark. And at this point I started like tearing up and was like, please, yeah. like I was, I've been in traffic for an hour. Like I left work early to come here. I just like parked illegally, ran here, like clearly ran here. I'm literally out of breath. And they were just like, mm, we have a strict policy. The doctor's really busy. And the waiting room was empty. Not one single other person was waiting. 
at this time. Um, and so then I'm standing there like waiting for them to reschedule it. And it took them like a while because their system was down or something. And then finally they tell me that the next appointment is in July. Um, it's currently May. Mm. And at this point, first I yelled, are you serious? And then I started sobbing. And as I'm crying, this, these two women just keep being like, oh, like our policy is really strict and the doctor's really busy and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, uh, okay, I don't even know what to say. Then they're like, you can, um, just send her a message and she'll like send you your results. Um, yeah, that's your best bet. And they just like kept talking to me while I was literally sobbing uncontrollably. And then I just like very gracefully grabbed a handful of tissues and like backed out of the waiting room and out of the building. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. That's yeah. terrible. Um, I let Zoe know this earlier today, but my roommate <laughs> let me know that. Oh, yes. Uh, like, I guess there was like a list of like the professions that like known sociopaths have. And number one was doctor and number two or number three was nurse. Um, what? Sense. Yikes. Yeah. So it. Yeah. It doesn't real make, fucking weirdos. It doesn't make any sense to be because those are supposed to be care professions. Like obviously right. not all doctors and nurses are that. But like something about it is there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, just like the God complex of doctors. My last appointment, she was literally forty running 45 minutes late. I was like, there's no way that I affected her schedule at all being three right, minutes right, late. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. Like, Absolutely it didn't, wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah. No, she. there's no way she was ready. I literally sat in the room last time waiting for 45 minutes. Yeah. That's so, terrible. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, I guess my one of the problems is just like it's everything feels so opaque like you never know what's going on even though you're the one who's there with the appointment like you don't know mm-hmm. when you'll be seen you don't know what's going on behind the scenes like every time I've been to a doctor they're like okay you can just sit in this room and the doctor will be there and then you just wait for uh, some unknown amount I know of time. why did they do that it's I, so don't weird. <laughs> I don't know I don't know um I feel like it could be pretty easy to be like, oh, the pa- uh, doctor needs to see like X number of patients ahead of you. So you have like a sense of how long you might be waiting. But I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I guess something that I have experienced recently, this doesn't have as much to do with like a healthcare provider as it does with my insurance, which is my insurance sent me this letter in the mail. I literally have it because I like still need to fix this but they said uh according to our billing records there seems to be a discrepancy with the gender that they had on file for me and they said in the letter failure to supply us with the correct information could result in your being responsible for bills incurred so i was like okay like yeah this is what this letter says i'm literally reading it it says so like because i don't know what happened with my gender (laughs) neither do i i mean like i mean in general (laughs) and also in this um but they were like you will incur why would they they would bill me for for like things i have done okay so i was like okay um the letter says to call the insurance company to figure it out so i do that and um I'm on the phone with the insurance person. They're very like kind and patient with me. And they were like, yeah, like uh, we have your gender here as unknown. I was like, okay. Oh my God. <laughs> and, uh, and then Same. they were like, so I'm just going to change you to a female. And I was like, but they didn't even ask me. They were just like, they just like heard my voice or like saw my name or something. They were like, yeah, we'll change you to female. I was like, 
You're like, can you keep it as unknown? Right. I was like, are there other options? <laughs> and they were like, no, just male and female. I was like, all right, I guess female. And um, they were like, oh, like, because I got my insurance through my employer. They were like, oh, the reason why this also could have happened is because maybe you had like one gender for us, like the insurance company and one at like your workplace, like the workplace paperwork they have for you. So they were like, oh, you have to call your workplace to make sure the gender they have on file for you is correct. And I was like, what probably most likely happened is one form had just male and female and the other form had the option to write in your gender. And I maybe Mm -hmm. wrote two different things. And they were like, oh, that's a discrepancy. So that's probably what happened. But now I like have to go to my workplace and probably go like, I'm female. I'm not out to a lot of people at my workplace, which is another frustration, but it doesn't matter because I'm quitting in a month. Um, So it's just like a mess. And like, because of this, I had to like deal with many bureaucratic hoops for fear of me being billed for my medical procedures, which I had insurance to cover. That's my gripe. That's so wild. I didn't even know that that could happen, but now I'm worried about it happening. Cause yeah, like every, even like doctor's office has different options for like, sometimes they have non-binary or like other or unknown or whatever, like the third option is. And sometimes they just (laughs) don't. And it's like, right. Right. Wow. That's, that's horrible. Um, I don't even, um, yeah, it's just like, making you deal with that in something that's like this could be like a life or death situation or a serious medical situation and you're worried about like do you have the exact right gender for me right why does it even matter yeah like i (laughs) oh my god um yeah i have also been looking for a new therapist recently and just like this all of this stuff I feel like just comes up when you're looking for any type of like specialist or really just any doctor but especially when it's like a somewhat unique or niche thing that you're looking for so like I'm specifically looking for queer and trans friendly therapists and like out of my entire insurance network I think there is there are two people that are like we specialize in like lgbtq stuff so i'm like okay so i have literally two options one of them was not taking new patients right now the other one was like we have like a two-month wait list or whatever and it's like yeah i'm sure because you're the only two therapists that like major insurance networks cover or whatever it's just like i don't know i definitely i think that other places have similar issues in some respects but like the fact that in the U.S. we also have this element of like you literally might just not be able to pay for the care that you need is like yeah of course how how is this a thing that we have to worry about while dealing with much more serious and important stuff yeah Yeah, also oh oh, god just gonna say I will say as someone currently in an MSW program I feel like I really understand how there's so many bad therapist because there are people in my classes who I'm deeply concerned about having clients in the next couple years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Um, yeah. And, and kind of going off of what all of you are saying, like the privatized insurance company is why Bianca's having that issue. I, so part of my RA issue with the ultrasound is when I did call there, they were like, oh, your doctor made a mistake and wrote ultrasound of the hand and wrists instead of hands and feet even though that's like Mm -hmm. what is classically done for RA stuff and instead of just being like okay but so we know what he meant and like we'll do it they're like you need to call your doctor back 
and get him to write a new script so that you so that we can bill correctly for that i was like what the oh fuck god. are we talking oh my god about? that actually right. happened to me once when i like sprained my ankle and it was like my doctor wrote the wrong ankle to be scanned because it was like might have been broken so they had to take an x-ray and like literally i was there with like one foot in like a boot and like clearly injured the other oh foot normal god. and they refused to do the right foot until i like called back my doctor i was just oh like my god. you can literally see that this other foot does not need to be x-rayed like, oh my god yeah why do they do this they're always like oh we just need to be extra sure for confirmation but it's like no, i'm right don't. here like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ugh. so this is switching gears a little bit but it's really serious also and i hate it so fucking much and it's stalkers and stalking um, and there's a difference between like your friend started seeing someone new. So you did a little deep dive on their Instagram or whatever the fuck, like whatever. That's fine. You're probably a normal person and can just like <laughs> give your friend some advice about that. I don't know what it is about me that this has been a thing that has happened to me more times than I would like to say. Um, but I have an issue with stalkers and people who stalk me in really intense ways. Part of it has been internet stalking. So I have a person who internet stalks me will literally find the things I say and mimic it uh, and project it out into the world in a myriad of ways. And, much- and if you're listening right now, we know. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's even there, there's so much more worse things with that. But honestly, I'm literally terrified of this person because they're so unhinged that I... I don't want to give too many details yet, but I have been collecting evidence, so if it comes to it. Um, But additionally, one of my exes, who is deeply unhinged, uh, I was sitting on my porch the other day, and they literally drove down my street. Now, mind you, my street is a two-block, one-way street. Uh, There's literally no reason to come down it ever unless you're actually doing something on my street. Um, and this person was slowly driving down the street, windows down, and staring at my apartment like I could tell from a distance. And then finally, when they got like right in front of my house, they realized that I was on the porch and they like whipped their head around and sped up and went to the stop sign or whatever. Oh my God. And God. this is for me. So, as someone who has had this in my history for a long time, This person I could see brushing something like that off like, oh, I just cut through your street because of blah, 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 or whatever type of weird ass excuse that they would use um, to try to rationalize this very unhinged behavior. And I just want to be clear that that type of behavior is not harmless. Being like stalking someone, making them feel like they have to be hyper vigilant. So because I also have a, a history of an abuser who literally followed me across the country to Portland, Oregon from when I lived in Ithaca, like I have a type of PTSD that's linked to a thing called hypervigilance where I feel like I have to like have my head on a swivel when I'm triggered in this particular way. And it makes it so anytime I leave my house, I feel terrified and 
if you are a person who thinks it's like kind of normal to just like drive by an ex's house, I would just really advise you to think about that behavior and just like try not to. And like if it's different, if like someone lives on a busy street or whatever, whatever, like this person and I did not end on good terms because they started colluding with a different stalker and abuser who was aforementioned. But like it's just not okay to do. Yeah, that's, I hate that. And yeah, agreed. I do think there's a lot of like that type of behavior is normalized to an extent in our culture, especially for men, but also just in general. And I do think it's I think among lesbians too, specifically. There's like this yearning that's like played off in a type of way. That's true. And I mean, even for straight women, I do feel like there are a lot of like rom coms and stuff where it's like the woman who does some sort of creepy like following them and changing everything about themselves to match this person. Right. Um And it's like, I mean, no, if you have seen that and somehow think that it's okay because you saw it in a movie or something, it's not. But I also feel like people should be able to recognize that like, if something would make them feel weird or upset or unsafe, don't do it to somebody else. Like, I don't know. Right. I also just hate that that has happened to you so many times. I know. Yeah, it's really fucked up. It's really weird. And then, of course, you know, it's hard not to, like, blame yourself when it has happened to me so many times. But I am in therapy and I don't anymore. But I did when I realized this was a pattern that was happening. I was like, what am I doing that's making Mm -hmm. people behave this way? And Mm -hmm. it turns out that's not my fucking problem. They need help. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. switching gears a little. I mean, this is something that I've also been noticing recently just as I've been socializing more. but, But, like... I've noticed a lot that when I'm in like very big groups where everyone is very talkative, my favorite kinds of conversations that happen in groups is when everyone feels like they have like as much time as they need, as much space as they need to say everything they need to say before other people jump in with like their opinions and their advice. Like it starts making the conversation feel like very rushed and no one can really like just get everything they want to say out. And it gets to be very, for me, just very like uncomfortable. And I think I understand like right now why it's happening because like a lot of people like me included are just like very excited to see people again in person. And so they're like just very eager to talk, but it's like, I've noticed a lot of conversations get kind of derailed because someone is making this point or they're trying to like search for the point of what they're saying while they're talking but like before they can say everything they want to say, so people like sort of glom on to one thing they said and like warp it or change the topic completely. And the original speaker can never like finish their thought. And that felt that feels like really alienating, like for me and I imagine for other people who've had this experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think in like a similar vein, I get frustrated when if you tell a story and then someone else tells a story that's completely unrelated, like I'm all for telling <laughs> a related story and being like, yes, something something happened to me. I think that's like great, great way to interact. But like, let's say I just told that doctor's appointment story. And then someone was like, oh my God, I totally understand. One time I was like late to meet up with a friend and like, they were mad at me. It's like, (laughs) that's actually the point of my story was not the like being late or whatever. Like something like that. It's just like, that's not helpful. Right. Right. I understand like, you know, people want to like, like show you they're listening, show you they're being sympathetic by like, being like oh, I relate. Do. Right. <laughs> right. That's, that, that ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's a different way to do that. I think that doesn't involve centering yourself. I think similarly, there's like, this is also something that I 
am trying to be more conscious of myself um, because I think I've definitely had tendencies to do this sometimes where I like, or just, I just, it just annoys me when people give advice or help when it's unsolicited. Like I know, you know, most people, they mean really well when they're doing this because they want to help you and they want to like be there for you. But when people start giving you advice, when it's not asked for, I think there's a little bit of condescension that comes with it because it's like, oh, I know about this thing and I'm assuming you don't know as much. So I'm just Mm going to tell you. Um, Like, I mean, like, I don't know. I think, I think most people are not immune to this thing, but it's like, I've just tried to remember more that like when people give me advice, when I haven't asked for it, I get really annoyed. So like, it's something that I feel like that's a recognition that people should make before they do that to others. Yeah. No, I also easy to just ask, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you looking for advice? advice. Do you just want me to listen? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. No, it's, I, so I have, I have to specifically with certain people in my life, like tell them when I'm telling them a story that I'm about like something in my life that I'm struggling with, that I am not looking for advice. And it has definitely caught people off guard. They're just kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> like they. Right. Yeah. Right. And I'm just like, I don't think people recognize how it can feel, but it is, it's really triggering to me for people to give me unsolicited advice because it reinforces a lot of the traumas I've had to deal with where an abuser needed to like make me feel small by over advising, which like can tend to like come across as also in a particular partnership like controlling your life by being like this is what you should be doing like like type of thing that's how it has happened Mm -hmm. to me at least Mm -hmm. um and I think like holding space for someone or actually like being like hey I can do a thing to help you out like if if my fucking dad were to help with my grandma stuff like taking her like that would be so nice but like rather Mm -hmm. than just like give me advice for how to deal with the doctors like if you would actually like to help that would be great otherwise what the fuck are you talking about right I feel like it's something too where sometimes people like are uncomfortable sitting with like someone else going through something difficult and they feel the need like I feel like it can be a coping mechanism to just like yes give advice to try to be like (laughs) I am hearing you I am being helpful but it's like if you're not like actually reading the room or like trying to figure out what actually is helpful then you're not doing that you're just sort of like it's like a way of pushing off their own emotional response to something yes that's Um, so true yeah. I have friends who call themselves helpers because they like the way that their anxious energy works is that they want to help help yeah. people. And Which is to be totally like, a real thing. And it's right. like, yeah, I mean, that's I, something yeah, that's you need to address yeah. within yourself, not take out <laughs> on other people. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I know the people- intention is good, but I really would need you to not put that help energy into me because I actually don't need it. <laughs> but if you want to like support me by whatever the fuck it is, then fine. Right. Also, no, interesting I'm... to be like, I'm just a helper when like doing that isn't helping. If that's not what the person wants, <laughs> you're not helping them. Right. Yes. Roasted. I've had people literally tell me like, <laughs> I've gone to people and I've been like complaining about this thing because I just want to vent. And then they start giving me all this advice and I'm like, I'll be fine. Like, I'll try, I try to like deflect it or 
be like, thank you, but like, it's not really what I'm looking for. I'll be like, I'll be fine. Like, there's no need to worry. I already know what I'm doing, X, Y, Z things. And then they literally say what you said, Julia, which is they'll be like, sorry, like, I just don't like to see the people around me, like, in pain or struggling. Like, I just need to, like, help them. And I'm like, like, I understand, but also I never asked you to give me advice. So very, very, very true. Yep. Well, the only advice we really can give you is to support us on Patreon by giving us your money <laughs> at patreon.com slash season of the bitch. Um, it's and real- also going to therapy if you can. That's yeah. our other big tip. Go to therapy, <laughs> um, you know, but, you know, a community that actually helps a lot of folks who are going through different <laughs> things is our discord. Yes. And it does not replace therapy, but I know for a fact that, the folks who are in it feel supported and can come to that community with a lot of stuff. Um, and we love that for us. Um, Me too. You also can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Season of the Bee. You can go to our website at seasonofthebee.com. And that's it. We don't want your emails. <laughs> Unless they're applications <laughs> to date us. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Which please send them. Has anyone taken the bait? Yeah. No. I pretty much we called everyone a, a coward because literally no one has emailed about dating any of us, which is just rude. And um, no one has reached out to the person who put the classifieds in the most recent uh, revolutionary romance episode wow. so disappointed in you all so listeners. guess who else is canceled y'all <laughs> <laughs> okay love you love you love you, love you. bye, bye. Yeah. season of the bitch